I'm just going to get right into the teaching this morning. You know, as you know, we've been doing a series called, a sermon series called Faces. And, um, and so Todd asked me if I would teach today's message today because it was Mother's Day. And so with fear and trembling, I said, sure, I'll do it for you, honey. And then he assigned me the face of fear. <laughs> so this morning we're going to talk about the face of fear. But no, really, I, you know, I really feel, I do feel grateful that I've um, been assigned this message really for two reasons. Number one, because I believe that um, this is going to, this message is going to resonate in you as a mother, being that it's Mother's Day. You know, they just gave us these bags that said fearless on it. And, you know, not too many people know this unless you're a mom, that there's a lot of fears that we have inside of us as a mom that we don't. We don't tell people about, you know, on the outside, we, we portray to be fearless because we have to be, but on the inside, there's a lot of fears that we have as far as just when it comes to just being a mom, um, along with other things. And so I feel like this, this teaching, um, I pray that this teaching will resonate in you and encourage you and help you, um, just to be the mom that God has called you to be and just be free about it and not to, not to be afraid to, um, to raise the gift that God has given you. He trusts us. And, and number two, you know, I feel like if you struggle with fear, you know, I want you to know that you are not alone. You know, fear is no respecter of persons. Many Christians battle fear. Men and women who genuinely love the Lord and want to serve him and want to please him in every way, fight fear. Am I the only one in here? No. You know, I've been a Christian, and I've been in church since I was 12 years old. And I've been in the ministry for going on 26 years. And I do, I feel like I, I, feel like I know well the Word of God. I feel like, you know, I've had plenty of time to know the Word of God. But I want to tell you that fear has been no stranger to me throughout my life. You know, as, as early as age four, I've struggled with fear and sometimes debilitating fear. And so for most of my life, I've, I've struggled with fear. So I want to tell you that today, that if you battle with fear, there's nothing to be ashamed about. There's nothing to be ashamed about. We all battle fear at some point in our life. And so with that, um, you know, I believe it's important that we learn something about fear that there are actually two types of fear. The first type of fear is healthy fear, and the second one is destructive fear. And I want to talk about healthy fear real quick. Healthy fear is the God-given physical and emotional response. Did you know that God created fear? God created healthy fear. When he created us, he placed within us a healthy, pure fear. If you look at the um, Bible in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And if you look in, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26, it says, he who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life turning a man from the snares of death. The, the word fear here actually means reverence. 
It means to have a deep respect for something, to regard or treat something with deep respect. And this God-given fear can actually help us tremendously. It's so important that we understand healthy fear because not all fear is bad. For example, healthy fear. You're walking along the road and you see a poisonous snake coming towards you. Are you going to go towards that snake and grab that snake? Some people would. But you know what? You're going to have a respect for the that kind of a snake, and you're going to go the other way, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom. So I'm, I'm just going to stop there. Another example, when you get to the edge of a cliff, you have respect for the, the height of that that cliff, right? You're not just going to, who cares? I'm going to jump off this cliff and see what happens. You're going to respect that cliff and you're going to back up. That's healthy fear. Another example is the fear of the Lord, the fear of God. You know, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean that I have to be afraid of God if I don't obey him, that I have to be afraid that he's going to punish me. What it means, and when you read the scripture about fearing the Lord, what they mean there is that My obedience to him is driven by respect and reverence because I am in relationship with him. It's not because I'm afraid of him and he's this God far away that I have to, I have to worship and honor. I respect him. I obey him. I honor him because I am in relationship with him. Key. All right. Destructive fear. Destructive fear is Satan's distortion of the fear that was intended by God to give us a healthy and peaceful life. It's distorted fear. And he distorted that in the garden. Um, I want to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the certain serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. Now, if you look at this this word here, this word afraid in verse 10 means frightened. And so you can see here that because Adam and Eve surrendered to temptation and sinned in the garden, that their healthy fear, their reverence for the Lord, they were safe in the garden. They were secure in the garden. They were in relationship with the Lord. They were naked. They were not ashamed. They were free. Because of they fell into temptation and, 
and sinned and ate that fruit, that healthy fear, that reverence for God had now become healthy, destructive, shameful fright. Here's the truth. Satan cannot create. He cannot create. He did not create fear. He can only imitate, distort, or pervert what God has already created. And so today, I'm believing that we're going to go back and take that, take that healthy fear back. What the enemy has stolen, God's going to, we're going to take it back from, from him. Amen? That said, God's intention of fear is to give us wisdom, to give us refuge, to give us life, and to draw us to him. Satan's purpose for fear is to bring shame, to bring destruction, death, and to draw us away from God. We all, most of us know the scripture in John 10, 10, it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I want to give you some examples of what destructive fear will do, how it robs us, how it destroys us. The first one is that it robs us from enjoying the life that God intended for us, right? You know, again, that scripture, the latter part of that scripture says, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. Think about that for a minute. You know, when, when you're bound up in fear, what does fear do to you? Or what does fear cause you to do? See, fear can do two things. It can do things to us and it can cause us to do things that are dysfunctional. And so let's think about that. When you think about fear, you struggle with anxiety? Do you worry? Do you have panic attacks? Are you paranoid? Are you a people pleaser? Are you controlling? Do you struggle with aggressiveness? Or maybe obsessive compulsive behaviors, OCD? Maybe you internalize things or avoid or isolate. Fear can drive you to do all of these things, right? Now, does that sound like an abundant life to you? Doesn't sound like an abundant life to me. Not at all. Sounds like a miserable life, actually. Sounds like a very lonely life, actually. You know, um, number two, uh, it'll affect the people around us or even destroy our relationships. That's what fear does. Destructive fear. It'll affect the people around us. And it can even destroy relationships. Uh, going back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12, um, whenever God um, talked to Adam and Eve about what they did, you know, and he, he said, okay, what is it that you have done? In verse 12, um, Adam said, well, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. And so then God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And she said, well, it's the serpent, it's that animal that deceived me and I ate it. And so you can see here how their, their fear, Adam's fear of God, of what God might do, said it wasn't me, it was her. I'm going to blame her. It affected their relationship. And again, Eve's like, okay, I ain't got nobody to blame here but the, the dog. You know, the dog ate my homework kind of thing, you know. So you can see how fear will affect people around us. You know, here's the thing, whether we think so or not, our fears do affect others. Our fear puts pressure on others. It puts expectations on others. 
and it affects our connection with others. Because we're not fighting our fear on our own. They're having to deal with our fear. It affects them. You know, I had the mindset that my fears don't affect anyone but myself. So you go do your thing and you leave me home with my fears and let me do my thing. But the reality is that they were affecting people. They were affecting my closest relationships. You know, for example, with Todd, you know, I, for years, years, I had a severe fear of people, of being out in public and being in crowds and interacting with people. And, you know, that really, for a lot of years in ministry, affected my partnership with him in the ministry. You know, there were a lot of events that he went to alone. A lot of weddings, a lot of funerals. And, you know, it's not because I didn't care about people. I was afraid of them. And so it affected our partnership in the ministry. And, you know, again, you know, we just came back from this amazing trip to Israel. For years and years, he's been wanting to go to Israel. And I was just too afraid because I was listening to the news, which we should really just call it the blues because all they talk about is negative stuff anyway, right? And so for years, I was afraid to go to Israel. And I would say, no, I'll just wait and go to the new Jerusalem, you know, when Jesus comes back. And so, you know, and so I finally went, and I'm going to tell you right now, you know, turn off the blues, get you uh, an Israel envelope fund, and start saving. You got to go. You got to go. Okay? And um, for Olivia, you know, it, it didn't necessarily affect our relationship, but my fears affected her. Again, as a mother, can I just share with you my fears as a mom? I had three major fears as a mom. The fear of rejection, the fear of failure, and the fear of judgment. You know, rejection, I was always afraid that one day she was going to grow up, she was going to get married, she was going to move out of the house, and she was going to forget about me. She was my partner in crime. She was my, you know, she was my posse. And so she did grow up. She did get married. She did move out. But she's still here. And she brought me back extra stuff, which is cool. Like a son-in-law and a granddaughter. Um, Fear of failure. You know, I was afraid that I was not going to be a good mom. That I was not going to be able to do the things that I needed to do to take care of her properly. And and raise her right. And, you know, teach her how to have morals. And support her the way she needed to. I I was afraid that I was going to fail as a mom when it comes to that. Does anybody else have... Is there anybody else here that has struggled with that? Okay, thank you. And then, again, the fear of judgment. This was a biggie. This was a biggie for her because I was afraid that people would judge the way I parented if they would see that she would behave a certain way or say something that maybe I wouldn't say a certain way or do a certain way, that people were going to judge me for my parenting And so I placed unfair expectations on her to behave a certain way, to perform a certain way, to speak a certain way, to look a certain way, so that I could look good. And that wasn't fair to her. So you see how fear can affect our relationships and affect other people. And number three, you know, fear will affect our openness to the relationship that God wants to have with us. 
it doesn't change God. It doesn't change how he feels about us and how he wants to have a relationship. But what it does affect is our openness to receive that relationship with him. Again, think about Adam and Eve in the garden. It says that when they sinned, you know, it says that God was, they hid, they felt ashamed. They closed themselves off to what God wanted with them. And that was an intimate, loving relationship with them. And Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 talks about that. It says that the man and his wife um, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord. But the Lord called to them, where are you? And they said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. You know, again, God didn't change his mind about how he felt about them. He was looking for them. He was calling out to them. But Adam and Eve went from walking with God to hiding from him. Why? Because their fear was connected to shame. You see, their sin brought shame and their shame brought fear and so they hid. How many times have we had the same response towards God? You know, we sin, we fall short, which he knows we will. We feel shame. We, we, we fear God's going to punish us. And we fear that he's going to be disappointed in us. And so we run or hide from him. When really all he wants to do, he's calling us like he did Adam and Eve. He's calling us because he wants to reconcile us back to him. That's why he's calling us. And so for us, the vicious cycle just continues. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I've dealt with a lot of fears um, of many things throughout my lifetime, as probably most of us in here have. And um, for me, I'll, na- I'll, I'll list them for you. It was fear of the dark. I had a fear of people. I had a fear of spiders, which I'm still not a fan, by the way. A fear of rejection, fear of judgment. I had a fear of loss. And I had never lost, I've never lost, lost anyone, really. But I had a fear of loss. Fear of trials and suffering. Fear of being disciplined. And the biggie was the fear of failure. And you know, over time, life experiences happened, right? Over time, life experiences happened. And all of these um, these fears just kind of somehow got all tangled up and intertwined and jumbled up, kind of like a, you know, a giant bird nest, you know, that, that you can't unravel. It's a giant bird nest. You know, sometimes we get so bound up in fear that we don't even know what we're fearful of. Have you ever had that feeling? You've just been overcome with fear, but you have no idea why you're so fearful. Time can do that to us. Fear can do that to us. Experiences can do that to us. Last year, I'm just going to share a little testimony with you over the course of um, the teaching. Um, Last year, my struggle with fear kind of came to a head by a way of um, a series of some really trying events, not just one, but um, a series of them. You know, and I've had my share of trials and I've had my share of dark times that sent me on my knees, but I'm telling you, these sent me on my face. 
But, you know, I have to say that um, that time is the time that I felt closest to the Lord. You know, he met me in my darkest hour. And he was there for me. And he was faithful to speak to me and to teach me some things about myself and about others and about him that I'd have never learned otherwise. I'd have just continued in the same old, same old thing. But I can tell you that because of the internal peace that I have consistently felt since then, I really believe that I received a breakthrough in that area of fear. But I had to go through that dark time. I had to face it. And so this morning, I just want to share, if, if it's okay, just a couple of revelations that the Lord gave me that really helped me break through that barrier of this um, tangled up fear, just this bondage of fear. And the first one, they're really simple and we all know them, but I just pray that you just have a revelation of them this morning. But the first one is that I am a child of God. Now you may say, well, I already know that. And that was actually my first response too when the Holy Spirit impressed that on me. It's like, Lord, I know I'm a child of God. I've been a child of God since I was 12 years old. I've been in church since I was 12. I know that I'm a child of God. But then I felt the Lord say to me, but do you really know how to be a child of God? And I thought about that for a minute. And I said, Lord, I only know what I should do. I don't know how to just be. I only know how to do. You know, somewhere along the line, I picked up the mindset that my relationship with God was transactional. You know, kind of like a soda machine. You get to the soda machine, you choose, which, you choose which soda you want, you put the money in, you press the button, and soda comes out. It's an exchange. You do this to get that. I never really knew how to just be a child of God. It was always, I had to do this in order to get this from God. It was works-driven. It was performance-driven. And that's what destructive fear is. Destructive fear is performance-driven. It's what you have to do to get peace. You see... Destructive fear is a spirit that wants to enslave us. And so that's the difference between being a child of God. Being a child of God is just being, but being a slave to fear is doing. It's performance driven. And so I found myself just working myself to the bone to try to people please and try to perform and try to do this and try to do that to try to quench that fear, the fear of rejection and the fear of failure and all those fears that would just come. You know, I was always working to try to quench that. And the Lord said, you don't have to do that. All you got to do is just be. And this was so powerful because in that moment, since the Lord said to me, Tanya, being a child of God is not determined by what you do, but by what I did. 
So you can just be. And I'm telling you, that statement set me free. Because I knew what God did for me. I knew that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for me. But still, somehow, in my mind, I was caught up in this, yes, but I still got to do this to gain the approval that I need from God. And God said, no, I already did the work. You don't have to do the do. I already did the do when I sent Jesus on the cross. And Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 9 says that. It says, but God, being, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It was Jesus. He did it for us in order that in the ages to come, he might show the the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. And, you know, we use this scripture for to explain eternal salvation. But I want to tell you today that it, it was... It was also for me, not just eternal salvation, but emotional salvation and mental salvation and the fear, that fear that just was gripping me. It's like, you know what? It's by grace that I am saved from that. I don't have to work to try to gain gain that peace because really that peace is, is we may get it, but it's going to be temporary. Destructive fear is performance driven. It's a spirit that wants to enslave us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Being led by the Spirit of God. Verse 15 says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit of God himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And so first things first, if you don't know what it's like to be a child of God, I want to encourage you to ask God to show you how to be a child of God. And if you don't know God, it's so simple. You know, we teach if you repent, then you will be saved. But the Bible says If you believe, you will be saved. And so can I just tell you this morning that it's so simple. It's as simple as saying, God, I believe in you and your son, and I receive your gift of salvation. And then God will say, okay, now let's let's get down to business. Amen? And so whenever I feel... Whenever I would begin to feel that emotional upheaval and that fear, I just have to remember how to be. And there's a scripture that just I love because it's helped me so much. And I've had to quote it to myself. It's John chapter 14 and verse 27. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so here's the thing. If God is the source of everything that I need, then there's no room for fear. If he's the source in me, 
then there's no room for fear. Because his peace fills me. When his peace fills me, it's not temporary. It's not as the world gives. His peace fills me. There's no room for fear. And so I can just be. Amen? And number two, I have an inheritance. I am a child of God, and I have an inheritance. Gosh, those two things are so simple, right? Romans chapter 8 and verse 16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And look at verse 17. It says, And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I love that scripture. What does it mean to be an heir? It means you have an inheritance. It means we have an inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul said this to the church in Ephesians. He said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And see, that's where I was. That's what my issue was. I knew I had an inheritance, but I didn't have the eyes to see what that inheritance was, what that inheritance was. And so, you know, as a child of God, because of now that I know that I'm a child of God, because of what Christ did for me, what is my inheritance? Well, this is what the Lord showed me. Second Timothy one, verse seven, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That is my inheritance. Power. This word right here in the Greek is dunamis. And what this word means, it means force. It means miraculous power. It means strength and ability. This is the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. And we got to recognize that. In our minds, sometimes we think, I just feel that the Holy Spirit just tapping me on the shoulder. The Holy Spirit is power inside of us. It's power that fills us to the core. And we got to get that revelation and recognize that. Because we're going to only tap into what we think we have. If we only feel like or think we have this much, that's all we're going to tap into. But if we know that we have the fullness, like the scripture says, rivers of living water shall flow out of your belly, that's what you're going to tap into, right? You know what? I got baptized in the Jordan River, and when I came up, I swallowed water because I didn't, real, I didn't realize how much water was in that river, but I swallowed water. But we got we to gotta get that revelation when we realize how much of the Holy Spirit and how much power is really within us in the Holy Spirit. We will tap into it. We will tap into it. The word love in this scripture means agape. And it doesn't just mean to love. Like when we think of agape, when we think of love, we think I have to love. It's for me to love God. But it also means to be loved. And this is what this script, this ver, this word means in this scripture. It's not just to love, but it's to be loved. It's to be loved by God. This is my inheritance, the power of the Holy Spirit and God's love for me. This is my inheritance. It's not something I have to work for or earn. It's given to me. I inherited it when I received Christ. And so it's to be loved by God. And I love this because the scripture um, in, De in Deuteronomy chapter 33, there's a few scriptures um, that talk about beloved. 
the beloved of the Lord. It says, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him. How do we do that? How do we rest secure in him? Because we are being loved by God. Not because we are loving him, but because he is loving us. So we can rest secure in him. We can rest secure in him. It says, for he shields him all day long and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. See, we can rest because we're not trying to do. We're just being. And so, you know, the Bible in 1 John chapter 4, it tells us, if you read that scripture at the beginning of the chapter, it says that God is love. And later on in the scripture, it says that perfect love casts out fear. Yeah? And so here's the truth. If perfect love casts out fear then it must be the experiences with imperfect love that give birth to fear. Yeah? So if this is the case, then why, as a child of a loving God, do we battle with fear? And I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you a little inner healing nugget. Okay? If we have had negative experiences of love, or if love has been defined in unhealthy ways by significant others, what ends up happening is that we take these unhealthy definitions of love and we superimpose them onto God. And then we respond to him in negative ways. See, we are, we are given negative responses and negative examples of love by significant others, whoever that person may be, and we say, well, then this must be love. Well, if the Bible says that God is love, then this must be how God loves. And that is not the case. You know, if we want to be, if we want to be free from fear, we have got to separate those two experiences. You know, we give imperfect love. As much as we think that our love is good and as much as we think that we can give good love, there's still imperfection in that love. Only God's love is perfect. And, um, just really quickly, I just want to tell you a testimony. When we were in Israel, we did a bunch of things, but one thing we did was we went through this tunnel called Hezekiah's Tunnel, and it was a water tunnel that was dug underneath the, um, was it the palace or, or the, uh, the city of David? It was dug underneath the city of David, and we walked through that tunnel, and for about 20 minutes, we walked through that tunnel, and it was dark, and they had water sometimes about up to here, and um, sometimes the ceiling came down to about right here, so we had to and then the walls were probably about, so there were sometimes we had to squeeze through that tunnel. Let me tell you, that was a scary tunnel. But, um, and not everybody went. <laughs> but I went, and I was glad to get out of that tunnel. But there was one person in our group that went into that tunnel. And that person, um, she was really excited about going to Israel. And, you know, as all of us were, we were, like, looking at places like, we were really had these expectations that something amazing would happen when we would get somewhere, like maybe to the upper room or maybe Garden of Gethsemane, you know, that something amazing would happen, you know. And so we all had that expectation as well as she did. And so we went to all these places and nothing was happening to her. And so she was like, okay, well, okay, God. Well, we got into this tunnel. And um, when we came out the other side, I looked at her and she was crying. And I said, what is going on? And she said, God met me in that tunnel. She said, of all places, the darkest, scariest place in this country. And God met me there. And see, what happened was she, was, she had been dealing with severe grief. 
and she felt like God had just kind of left her and forgotten her. And she was not feeling very loved because she had someone very precious taken away from her. And she said when she was in that tunnel, she said, I had no one to hold on to because the person I loved was the one that I would hold on to. And she said, I felt so alone and so afraid. She said, all of a sudden I felt God, I heard God tell me, she said, we started singing. We, we started singing a hymn while we were in there. And she said, I heard that music. And she said, it was so beautiful. And I heard the Lord tell me, you need to worship and you need to trust me. I'm going to take care of you. It's okay. I'm going to take care of you. And for the first time in a very long time, she had an experience with the perfect love of God. And she came out of that tunnel. And let me tell you, she was different. She was different. And so, again, that's just an example of experiencing to be loved. She wasn't expecting it. She wasn't expecting it. It just came. And number three, a sound mind. A sound mind. This means self-control. You know, fear can kind of make you feel a little cray-cray, right? In the mind, in the head, like there's torment up in there. But you know, you know why we struggle in our mind? Because fear is dependent on the peace around you rather than the peace inside you. And so we can't have a sound mind, right? When I was in that tunnel, my peace was determined by the, the, the depth of the water, the height of the ceiling, and the, the width of the walls. And there was a few times that I kind of panicked there. You know, I lost my peace. But that's what fear does. Fear makes you dependent on your surroundings to give you peace. But a sound mind, the, the inheritance of a sound mind is dependent on what's inside of you. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I love this. The peace of God, the peace of God will guard your, mind, your heart and your mind. Um, and so these three things are our inheritance. The power of the Holy Spirit, the love of God, and the mind of Christ. And here's the cool part. They're given freely. We don't have to work for them. We don't have to earn them. All we got to do is tap into them and receive them. Amen. Again, last year during my quiet time, this is just an example of how the Lord just brought this, this scripture just alive to me and um, opened up my understanding of what these three things really were. But, you know, whenever I was just going through those dark times, I was in my quiet time. And, um, and the Lord, I feel like the Lord gave me a vision. And so, you know, you can call it a vision. You can call it an illustration, a dream, a picture. Whatever you want to call it is fine. But I think we'll out, what I'll call it is just a divine experience with a loving God. That's what I want to call it because his mercy and his grace was with me. And let me tell you, I felt like I was at the end. And so in this vision, the Lord had me standing on a beach looking out at the ocean and you know, if you've ever been to the beach, you know how far the ocean reaches. 
And so, but the water was peaceful and still. There was no waves crashing. It was just a calm day. And so I looked out at the horizon and I saw Jesus walking on the water towards me. And he was quite a ways out. Like I could see, you know, I couldn't see his face. I could just see him coming. He was quite a ways out. But I still felt a great sense of peace because I knew he was coming towards me, right? And then suddenly, in front of him, farther back or farther closer to me, I saw something come out of the water and come towards me. And it was like a really big shark-like creature with really scary teeth. And I could see his eyes, and his eyes just had evil in it, like he wanted to chew me up and swallow me, like he wanted to, he wanted to destroy me. And when I saw that come to me, all of a sudden my peace left and I became frightened. And I said, and I said, Lord, again, what do I do? This thing's coming after me. This, this creature, this, this thing that wants to eat me up is coming after me. What do I do? And I felt the Lord tell me, tell it to stop. And so I told it to stop and it did. And it stopped right at the edge of the shore. And it was like laying on the shore on its belly. And then the Lord said to me, which was crazy, I thought. The Lord said to me, what do you want to tell it? And for a long time, like, I thought about that because, like, I didn't know how to answer the question. It was like a trick question because it was like the Lord saying, what do you, what do you want to tell it? And it was just really strange because something just, I, f- I don't know that I felt something or heard something, but just something just came out of me that I didn't realize what that was even in me. And I said, Lord, Lord, I can tell it whatever I want to tell it. And he said, yes, that's it. You can tell it whatever you want to tell it. And so I said, I, I looked at that fish and I said, I want you to die. And that thing flopped over on its side and it died. And I looked back out at the shore or at the ocean to try to find Jesus again, but he wasn't there. And what happened was crazy. He was standing right next to me. He wasn't out there anymore. See, I was so focused on this thing that I didn't realize that he had met me right in that dark time. And he was with me the whole time. And so he uh, put his arm around me and... um, And he led me away from the shark. And at that moment, I felt peace. And, you know, at first, as I was just thinking about that vision that the Lord gave me, I I thought maybe the shark represented all the trials that I had been going through last year, all these dark times. But then I realized that that shark represented fear. It represented fear. And so this experience, I'm telling you, it made me realize that, you know, I have the power and authority of the Holy Spirit inside of me to speak to that fear. As a child of God, I can tell that fear whatever I want to because of the authority and the power within me. And my mind can be at peace because I know that God loves me. He was right beside me the whole time. I was able to tap into my inheritance. Do you see how those three things I was able to tap into my inheritance? And I'm telling you, something broke off of me that day. Something broke off of me that day. And so, you know, we're going to end in a few minutes, but I I just want to, can I pray with you? 
would that be okay? If you don't mind, could you just close your eyes? And I want to pray with you. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come and be with your children. If you don't know the Lord this morning, if you've just come because you you came with your family, it was Mother's Day, and you just came to honor your mother or as a mother be honored, and, and you don't know Christ, but you feel like, you know what, I'm not a child of God, and so I know that I need him in my life. Can you just say this simple prayer? Lord Jesus, I believe in you, and I receive your gift of salvation. And just receive him. And now I just want to ask you to just ask the Holy Spirit to give you a picture of Jesus standing with you right now. And if you can't get a picture of him, just ask him to sense his presence near you. Take a deep breath. Take in a deep breath and breathe out. And I want to ask you to just be courageous right now and tell Jesus what you're afraid of. Just say, Jesus, I am afraid of, and speak it to him. If there's too many things you're afraid of, just pick one. Just start with one. And now I want you to listen to him. What is he saying to you about the fear? Or maybe even about you. Is he speaking to you about your inheritance? And when he speaks to you, I want to invite you to respond to him. Just say, thank you, Lord, or yes, Lord. Respond to his love. of God 
will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, I just pray, God, that you would just envelop them in the inheritance that you have paid such a high price for them to have. And I seal that in them. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Just receive that. Just receive it right now. Receive from the Lord. Just be right now. Take a moment to just be. Come on, just be.